following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Herfman. Uh, His Highness the Jackal. The Jackal. I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of Virginia. <laughs> I think Jackal's a Latino. I'm not sure, but he'll give it to you, sir. The Jackal. Guys, we have a, a hell of a show tonight for you. We have Mark Fiorentino is going to be on with me during the second hour of the show. And we're going to talk about being the master of reality. And the book is uh, interesting. Indeed, the uh, one I just got this week in the mail. It is uh, a fantastic read. I'm uh, already a few chapters in. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get the uh, book early enough to go through the whole thing. But it, it really uh, reads really, really well. And uh, I'm looking forward to having him on. It is... Of course, June 7th, 2020, and it's been a heck of a last couple of weeks, to say the least. If, you, if you've been looking at the news and you haven't driven yourself crazy yet, give it a little time. You're, you'll be there soon, because I'm almost there. Um, the world's on fire, folks. The world is literally been set ablaze during the last week. Uh, last uh, Sunday, we were going to go live, but things were going so crazy. I don't know if we're going to have people breaking into the uh, to the complex here or what the heck was going to happen. Uh, luckily, uh, things have uh, looks like they're starting to calm down a little bit. But it has been a really, really, and, you know, to not use a four-letter word here, but it's been a really strange messed up effed up week people have lost their marbles over the last couple weeks and listen um let's you know jump right into it here uh you know this is all stemming from a horrific death something that uh you know we saw the video everybody's seen what happened uh there's all kinds of theories and uh all kinds of different uh things that are floating around now on the interweb about the possible uh, conspiracies behind the death of uh, George Floyd. Do I believe any of these? Uh, I I don't know. There's so many things uh, that are happening that is, uh, again, just uh, shockingly bizarre, folks. Uh, You know, not only in the actual uh, death of George, uh, which, again, My condolences out to him and his family. What happened to that man should not happen to any human being, period. But there's so many different aspects to this story. So many different layers that really just uh, make you uh, scratch your head. Uh, One, let's start with the fact that everybody uh, who's been rioting and looting seems uh, to be separated in, in, in from what looks like, to be honest, uh, separate factions of people that have different agendas. You have people that are peacefully protesting, as a lot of people have commented on, and then you have folks uh, that are there to really just cause damage. And then you have other folks that are kind of in the middle, and they're like, well, people are protesting, and other people are causing damage. Someone just join in on the fun. I saw a video of a woman who was driving by a, a store they were looting, and she jumps out of the car, with the car running, runs into the store, takes some shoes for, I guess, her son and herself, 
runs back into the car, and then takes off. All the meanwhile, somebody's trying to interview her, which is absolutely hilarious. They're they're asking her, "Ma'am, what'd you take?" Yeah, some shoes. Oh, why'd you take shoes? Ah, eh, they're for my son. Well, congratulations. You just won Mother of the Century. Live on TV, you're stealing shoes for your son. What kind of an example is that for your kid? What kind of example is that for the rest of the, of the African-American community? For a mother to do that. She should be ashamed. That I, and I really do hope that uh, they find her and they prosecute her for theft, whatever. See, this is the thing, folks. I'm all for people protesting and making themselves heard. No issues with that. None. But when you start looting and rioting and burning places down, that is where I draw the line. There's no need for any of that stuff. And I know the there people are going to say, well, you know, you don't get change unless you burn it all down. Well, that's not necessarily true. And you don't want some change. Look at Venezuela. Right? Isn't it funny that as we get flooded with illegals that are coming in from uh, countries that are very socialist and are very democratic, that these states that are having the most trouble with not only the virus, with the riots, the looting, are heavy, you know, democratic states. And if you look at a lot of these looters, they, and I'm Latino, so I'm okay to say this. I got my Latino pass right here with me. But a lot of these uh, people that are looting and rioting and causing the havoc uh, don't look African-American to me. They look either Latino or, or white. I mean, I, I've, I've seen a lot of footage this week, folks. In fact, I've been quietly working on a secret little documentary that I'm putting together. Uh, it's about an hour long, which I'm going to release to the Internet uh, within the next few days. And it's dealing with this exact thing because this is absolutely bizarre. We're living in right now the Twilight Zone. And uh, I know this is inside the Jackal's head and all, and that's all fun and dandy. But when it comes to reality and the real world and the way things really work, we really have entered the Twilight Zone. You know, all fun and games are over here. This is a complete takeover of the country now. This is what it looks like. And uh, I don't know, you know, that some of the theories and the conspiracies are that uh, the whole George uh, Floyd... Death might have been hoaxed, and that he's still alive, and the, you know that uh, at the funeral there's supposedly a lookalike, and yada yada yada. I don't subscribe to that. <clears throat> I don't think uh, you know that he was at the funeral other than in the casket, but I don't think that there was uh, you know any uh, chance that he uh, took. Pardon any faking of his death. There is a, a an error 
and the autopsy report. And, and I, I skimmed through the autopsy report because I, I really don't like looking at those things. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I'm looking at somebody's death, basically, and going over what killed them. And uh, I have, I've had other things to do this week to continue down that path, but I did skim over it a little bit. And one thing that jumped right out at me right off the bat was the fact that the time of death was like 9 p.m., somewhere around there, right? And yet, when this incident happened, it was clearly in daylight. So they marked the time of death at night, but yet he was uh, choked to the ground by the officer during the day. And the reports are that he died on the scene, but there was no tape around the body, there was no chalk around the body. I mean, the chalk would have washed away if there was any rain or any uh, weather, uh, but normally they would tape off the scene with the uh, where the body was. Uh, you know, forensic will come in and handle it a certain way. They didn't. Um, some people say they've seen the body move, you know, uh, which could be attributed to muzzle spasms or all kinds of things if he was indeed dead in the ambulance. Uh, there's a lot we don't know, but it, it seems a little bit off that he would be declared dead at 9 p.m. and this happened during the daytime. That seems a little bit weird to me. Also, the, the mug shots of the, the main officer... Some people are saying it looks photoshopped. I don't know if it looks photoshopped, but it definitely looks bizarre because his hair is a lot longer and uh, in the photoshopped <clears throat> mugshot. Well, photoshop mugshot, whatever. Uh, either way, it looks uh, a lot longer and. Uh, you could say uh, whatever you want to say, but that does not look uh, like a natural progression of hair growth within uh, a few days. Uh, now, uh, remember, the mug shot wasn't exactly shot at the moment of, uh, you know, after George Floyd's death. It was a few days later. But still... Uh, even a few days later, you would suspect that the hair wouldn't have grown that much. I mean, this is, we're talking about a couple of weeks, maybe, of hair growth. I mean, he looked like he was pretty well shaved there uh, during the initial uh, video of uh, Mr. Floyd's death. So that's something to keep an eye on. That's a little bit bizarre. And the overwhelming things that are bizarre about the story. This is really a, a weird year, 2020. There's a, a meme that's going around. It's a, like a calendar meme. And uh, everybody's uh, stealing it from me because it's pretty funny. I posted it on uh, one of Kaiser's uh, posts. Shout out to Kaiser. I'm sure he's listening right now, laughing his ass off, and uh, still looking at that meme. It's a calendar that's supposedly leaked of the year 2020. And it starts off with January, uh, we had Australian fires. February, we had the locusts in Africa. March, April, and May, pandemic. June, protests and riots. Now, 
if this uh, continues and it's accurate, the next uh, few months are going to be uh, a lot of fun, folks. As uh, July brings in a massive solar flare from, uh, yeah, the sun, that, that's right. Uh, so we have to look forward to that. And if that doesn't kill us, which would be a goddamn miracle, right? But if that doesn't do it, August brings in an eruption from Yellowstone Park. Which I, I don't know when was the last time that thing blew, but pretty sure it was a long time ago. September <clears throat> brings in the aliens in an alien invasion. That, that should be fun. I think that's, that's the stuff that William Cooper wrote about. Uh, October and November, we're going to have a, another pandemic or maybe a resurgence of the COVID-19. Uh, we'll call this COVID-19 Part 2, And we'll uh, have Alex's face in a mask as the main face for the, uh, for the new virus. Uh, 2.0. Let me see. And my birth month, December... So this is what I got to look forward to at the end of the year is uh, forget the birth of Christ, everybody. The 25th, it's going to be a little busy. We're going to be a little bit busy because uh, guess what? We have an asteroid hitting the Earth, according to this calendar. So again, January, uh, January Australian fires, February, locusts in Africa, March, April, May, pandemic, June, protests and riots. So far, so good. July, solar flare. It's going to be a hot July. August, uh, Yellowstone eruption. Yeah, baby. September, alien invasion. October, November, uh, 2.0 pandemic. And December, an asteroid. Like I said, 2020, hell of a year. Oh, jeez! And as I, I, you know, as I look at the news, nothing uh, gives me any solace uh, for a brighter uh, day coming up. I mean, it just—it seems worse and worse and worse. But at least the riots are starting to come down. You know, it's looking a little bit better at that end. People are starting like to maybe uh, get tired of rioting. I don't know. Uh, a few demonstrations, uh, some peaceful ones for once. Uh, try saying that three times real quick. Peaceful ones for once. Peaceful ones for once. Peaceful ones for once. Anyway, a few uh, peaceful demonstrations did happen this week where uh, nobody got shot, killed, maimed, murdered, uh, hit with a baseball bat, or uh, robbed, or uh, even uh, hit with a slingshot. Nothing happened uh, to a, a few of these uh, demonstrations. And I guess Antifa finally got the message that you're not welcomed. Now they, it's funny because they've been declared a, uh, you know, a terrorist. Which they definitely are. Now there's a, uh, a mayor in, I think, New York, uh, Ellison, I uh, believe is his name, who came up and endorsed Antifa. That's a good guy. Yeah, it's a... Uh, <laughs> That's the guy you want to reelect. Guys uh, who endorse Antifa, yeah, let's uh, reelect the terrorist. 
when did this country become racist? I, I want to know that. When did this country become uh, a harbor for terrorists? When did this country completely forget its uh, constitutional moral background? It seems like everybody's lost their goddamn mind. Am I the only one that's uh, sane that's left here? You know, I, I heard Drew Brees uh, a couple of days ago, and he said some, uh, you know, fine things. I had no issues with what he said. Then everybody flipped their shit. And the guy made some honest comments about his grandfather, for crying out loud. His two grandfathers who fought in World War II, fought for our freedom of speech. And he's talking about the American flag and how he will never kneel against the flag because when he sees that flag, it reminds him of his grandfathers and what they went through and how they fought in a war that was meant to liberate and keep us free from tyranny and how many people that went. And I mean, what he said was beautiful. And then you have some morons on the left who are starting to use that. And then, of course, they clip out thing here, a thing there, full of spin. And then you have a couple morons, even on the Saints team, coming out completely against this guy who made absolutely nothing erroneous in his comments. In fact, I have the audio of it. I'm going to play it. Uh, because uh, this is uh, just bizarre to me. This guy might have to retire because of this stupid goddamn comments that he made. And again, when you listen to the actual comments and when you listen to the spin, it's easier to see where it can be taken out of context if it's done right. Now, the first clip I'm going to play here of Drew Brees' comments, this is the, the edited down version of the comments. And why I want to play this is, I want you to get this before I, I play you the actual clip, unedited, of what he said. And then you'll be able to hear how they're manipulating and spinning this. And in this first clip, you're going to hear some of the reaction from one of the players, a couple of the fans. People are burning this man's jersey over nothing. Again, he might have to retire over nothing. So check this out, guys. I will never agree with anybody um, disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. Um, let me Let me just tell you what I see or what I feel when the national anthem is played and when I look at the, the flag of the United States. I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II. So every time I stand with my hand over my heart, looking at that flag and singing the national anthem, that's what I think about. And in many cases, it brings me to tears. Number nine, Jersey. That's how I feel about Drew Brees. I'm disappointed, I'm hurt, because while the world tells you that you're not worthy, that your life doesn't matter, the last place you want to hear from are the guys that you that you go to war with and that you consider 
to be allies and to be your friends. Even though we're teammates, I can't let this slide. Drew Brees. Now, I wanted to stop right there real quick. I'm going to play the rest of this. But notice how he's all dramatic, saying somebody you go to war with. You play football, all right, guy? So let's get your head on straight. You guys are football players. You're not going to war. Drew Brees' grandfathers went to war. There's a difference between playing a game and actually fighting in a war. And when you hear the rest of Drew Brees' actual statement, it'll be a lot clearer that he is talking about every individual, white, black, Asian, doesn't matter your demographic, who fought for this country and died for this country. Okay, that's what the flag represents. But I want you to hear how they clipped that. And then you heard some of the reaction from a, a player that's on the Saints. Again, people are calling for this man to retire from these clips. Okay, now check out the rest of the uh, the blowback that Drew Brees has been facing over these comments. This is incredible. You're a sucker, man. You're a sucker for that, bro. I really ain't got no more words for you, bro. You're a sucker, man. Straight BS, man. Straight BS. And for all my Saints fans, for all my New Orleans people who still like your ass just because they want to win games, y'all right with them. Wrong, bad timing, Drew Brees. Bad timing, bro. All right, you 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 play for New Orleans and you live in New Orleans. All them black people in New Orleans that support you, Drew Brees, you got to be a little bit more sensitive to the timing, bro. You can't just be saying shit out your ass. We, we got to end that shit now. Ain't no straddling the fence, all right? All that French and acting like you support us, acting like you really down with us, we ain't buying this shit. All that half-ass supporting us, we ain't down with that. Notice the creepy music. Here we are the now with the world on fire, and you still continue to first criticize how we peaceful how we peacefully protest because it doesn't fit in what you do and your beliefs, without ever acknowledging that a fact that the man was murdered at the hands of police in front of us all, and that it has been continuing for centuries. That the same brothers that you break the huddle down with before every single game, the same guys that you bleed with and go on a battle with every single day, go home to communities that have been. <clears throat> Decimated. Oh, he's crying like a little. But if Drew Brees won't make his statement, I can make mine. I won't wear another Drew Brees shirt, jersey in my life. He won't wear another Drew Brees jersey in his life. Well, I I think Drew Brees is hurting inside right now because of that. So that that right there was the blowback that he received from the statements. Now, you would think from hearing the clip the way is is cut up that he's talking about the George Floyd situation and he's making light of it or something like that. The question was about Colin Kaepernick and kneeling before the flag. And uh, they, they leave that part out. Okay, funny enough, ironically enough, that part they don't, they, they don't want to show you that or let you hear that part. Here's the actual question uh, question that they asked uh, Mr. Drew Brees in his uncut comment. Uh, and again, 
I sat back, I listened uh, to this thing, I dissected it, and nothing he said merits him having to retire, him having to endure this ridiculous backlash that he's getting in from not only, you know, from some idiot fans, but a teammate, people on ESPN, and for look, I, I watched ESPN for a long time because I'm a big sports fan. I also have not watched ESPN for a long time because I'm a big sports fan. And they're getting way too political on a sports network. And uh, that's why I also stopped watching football for a while. Because when I watch sports, I want to tune out from politics. I don't want to see Colin Kaepernick make a statement every week. I don't want to see uh, these talking heads on ESPN, instead of talking sports, talking about some idiotic, you know, nothing. This Drew Brees comment really is, it's nothing. I mean, other than actually it was a very nice comment by the quarterback, and he's, again, facing possibly having to retire over this. Listen to this. It's about a minute and 40 seconds. Kaepernick's protests were a few years ago, and obviously they were always about police brutality, and now it's coming back to the fore, and a lot of people expect that we will see players kneeling again even when the NFL season starts. I'm curious how you think the NFL will and should respond to that, and of course, you're such a leader in the league. Uh, What is your responsibility as a leader uh, in times like this for the rest of your teammates and and players in the league? Well, I will will never agree with anybody... um disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. Um, let, me, let me just tell you what I see or what I feel when the national anthem is played and when I look at the, the flag of the United States. I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, one in the Army and one in the Marine Corps, both risking their lives to protect our country and to try to make our country and this world a better place. So every time I stand with my hand over my heart, looking at that flag and singing the national anthem, that's what I think about. And in many cases, it brings me to tears, thinking about all that has been sacrificed, not just those in the military, but for that matter, those throughout the civil rights movements of the 60s and everyone and all that has been endured by so many people up until this point. And is everything right with our country right now? No, it's not. We still have a long way to go. But I think what you do by standing there and showing respect to the flag with your hand over your heart is it shows unity. It shows that we are all in this together. We can all do better. And that we are all part. Now, how is that in any way worth losing your career? He's talking about unity, uniting the country, uniting people. He's talking about us coming together, you know, representing our country. When did it become a bad thing in this country to love the country? Now, you might have issues with the government. You might have issues with the president. You might have issues with your governors, mayors, Congress people, whatever. Democrats, Republicans, you know, this is all politics. But when did it become an issue to love the United States of America, to love your country. If this country was so bad, 
Why are people trying to get in here? If this country is so evil and racist and corrupt, why do we need to close our borders because people are, are coming in in droves? Why are they, you know, why? If their country is so much better. I mean, I know why I'm here. I, I got here from another country. I'm Cuban. Why did I get, why am I here? How did I get here? What, why am I here in this country? Because my country's a shithole. Right? Cuba became a shithole. And, uh, you know, that's uh, thanks to uh, Obama's uh, two buddies, the Castro brothers. One who's rotten in hell right now. And the other one who's going to join him pretty soon if he hasn't already. And he's in a bunker somewhere being held. You know, let's, uh, let's be realistic here. People come to this country to seek freedom, right? To seek democracy, to seek a chance in a capitalistic environment to be able to produce for themselves, to be able to open their own businesses, to be able to do and have what they want. And uh, part of that is, you know, you have to, like the old saying, when in Rome, do like the Romans, right? When you come to this country, you have to do it a certain way. You got to come in legally. Got to follow the laws. That's why the laws are there. And uh, for all these idiots who are saying we have to defund the police and we got to start all over again, well, good thing them. That's uh, what's going to happen here. We're going to start all over again. Okay, so who's the, who's the leader? Well, we don't want Obama. We don't want Trump. We want Joe Biden. Right? That's what the left wants. They want Joe Biden. Um, and when I, when I hear uh, a person of, uh, you know, on the left who is African-American or um, from another country who comes to this country uh, legally and becomes a citizen and they want to vote for Joe Biden, a person who has put more black men in prison than any other politician in the last 40 years, Joe Biden, who himself is on record. You can look it up on YouTube. You don't have to take my word for it. Okay, he's on record talking about how his crime bills from the 70s to, you know, 1993 at least, all had his name on it. The 93 bill that Bill Clinton signed, Guess who uh, wrote that up? Joe Biden. Crime reform? Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. That's right. Joe Biden, who's made many racist statements and, and recently on Chambalon uh, the God, or as I like to call him now, Chambalona uh, the Fraud. He made another uh, kooky statement where, where he said, uh, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. So now Joe Biden is the moral authority on your blackness as well. So not only does he put black people in prison, he's a moral authority on who gets to be black or not. He's that guy. Somehow he got his ghetto pass, and Joe Biden is the guy who will tell you if your ass is black or not. Meanwhile, in the plantation, Joe Biden is delusional. 
and people on the left are just laughing their ass off. It, it's absolutely hysterical. I, you know, when I when I see Joe Biden on video, folks, it's better than Saturday Night Live. It's better than uh, watching Comedy Central. I mean, it, it, you, you can't write comedy that well. The the goofs, the gaffes, the, the mistakes, the pointless uh, rambles, and, and I say pointless because, my goodness, he's like, it's funny because he's all over the place, and uh, not in a good way. Not in a, uh, like, you know, like Trump, for example, sometimes, you, and you can tell when Trump does this, when he does his speeches, that he goes off kilter a little bit, and he's like, you can tell when he's going ad libbing compared to when he's reading off the teleprompter because you have a certain way of reading where he's like very like because what we have to do to fight the chorus the COVID-19 and he's like very like you, you know he talks very presidential and then when he's completely off script and he's just being himself he just you know he's, he loosens up and he, he you know it's funny to see the the differences between when he's on script and when he's not on script. But the guy does so many rallies and speeches and he's on TV every day and he still manages to be coherent, understandable. You know, he's telling it how it is. Uh, does he have all the information always 100% correct? No, sometimes he gets it wrong and he goofs. Happens. But normally that's because of the intel that he's getting might be wrong. And that's something that he never gets uh, credit for. They just like, oh, you see, he lied. No, sometimes the intel is just wrong. And that's happened a couple of times where he's been given intel by people like Fuchi and others. And uh, then, you know, uh, he corrects it later on. And uh, But at least, he, you know, you could tell that it, the mind is there. It's working. It's sharp. You know, and I've talked to a lot of friends over the last uh, few weeks, and I've said a lot of times that it seems like the man really is playing 4D chess while everybody else is playing checkers at this point because every single time that he uh, says, I, I feel this and this and this is going to happen, or, you know, this person uh, is responsible for this or that, it always happens, folks. I don't know if he's psychic I don't know if he's a medium, I don't know if he's got some uh, kind of script, <clears throat> but it, this goes back uh, not just to uh, the, the looting and the riots and COVID, this goes back years and years and years. Uh, look at some of the videos of him speaking in the 90s about the direction of the country and how China was raping this country back then. And, you know, how uh we we were you know being taken by the globalists with NATO and the UN and all this nonsense and it's all true it, it, i mean whether you like him or not he is not lying and that's why they're all like after him because he is not lying and you know it's funny because everybody's quick to blame trump right for all the issues in the world they're even trying to pass this uh, death of George Floyd on Trump somehow because he's responsible for some uh, idiot cop who killed a man, right? Like, 
it's amazing. I I, uh, I made this statement earlier in the uh, one of the chats here on uh, Skype. Uh, not today, a few days ago, I think. Um, might have been either. Uh, well, I think it was there and on Facebook, also one of the groups that I'm in, uh, where I said uh, eventually you're going to hear them blame Trump for the death of Jesus. That's right, folks. You heard it here, folk. You heard it here first. The death of Jesus is the next thing that Trump is going to be blamed for. And Drew Brees is going to be right behind him saying, look, man, I understand. I I feel you. Look what's happened to me. Drew Brees had to apologize for very nice and obviously, you know, rehearsed comments because that didn't look like it was off the top. If you watch the video, if you hear the audio, it looked like it was something that he had prepared as as a statement, um, expecting a question along those lines. And uh, there's nothing wrong with loving your country. Uh, there's nothing wrong with uh, loving your grandparents who served in the military, the army, and being proud of that. And he should not be made to apologize for that. He should not be made to retire and lose his career over that. It's ridiculous. And the fact that these uh, same idiots want to blame Trump for what happened to George Floyd is ridiculous also. I mean, a lot of this is just plain nonsense. I will say this, though not everybody's uh, losing it. This is a video, I don't know the gentleman's name, um, I'm going to have to dig it up. Uh, this uh, came to me on Facebook. Uh, it was labeled, Black Patriot View of America. And I want you to hear this audio, it's a very interesting clip. Uh, this is an actual uh, post, very candid, very humble, uh, not rehearsed. Uh, this is uh, a gentleman who uh, just had an issue with somebody, went and posted it on Facebook. And it's a, a real insight. Uh, to somebody who actually is uh, thinking correctly and uh, has a good grasp on reality. Check this clip out. My best friend over some political issues. I just wish people wake up and realize that Trump is not fighting against you. Trump is not fighting against black people. He's not fighting against Spanish people. He's not fighting against transgender. He's not fighting against Mexicans or none of that shit. Trump is fighting against globalists. Globalists don't have nothing to do with none of us. Globalists. There are people who believe in one world order, one world agenda, the bankers, the money, the movie makers. They the ones who hate Trump for a reason because he's not their plan. He's not part of their agenda. Trump done went over there, got North Korea to put down their guns. He done squashed the beef with motherfucking Russia. He done told China to stop playing with us and pay us our money. Went to the European Union, told them that y'all owe us money, time to pay up, or y'all not going to get no security. He done cut the goddamn uh, 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 corporate tax from 35% to 21%, making us more fucking uh, competitive in the global market. Uh, black people unemployment rate is at its all-time low. Women's unemployment rate, all-time low. Spanish people unemployment rate, all-time low. You got jobs. Coming back to Pennsylvania, people pouring steel again in America, shit that they say that we wasn't gonna never have again. And they still try to make this a black and white issue. Now is not the time for angry black people to stand up. Now is not the time for fucking angry Mexicans to stand up. Now is not the time for fucking transgenders to stand up. Now is the time for fucking patriots to stand up. Patriots who love America. What I'm finding out is most motherfuckers don't like America. They say fuck America when it's all said and done at the end of the argument. 
it's time for patriots to stand up. I understand America got a rough history, but a lot of people died for this country that was black, who died for this country too. And you just don't love the country. Go to the fuck somewhere else. Go somewhere else if you don't like America, okay? Because this shit ain't about you. I'm black. I don't even know white people. This shit ain't even about me. This is about America. We've been losing on every fucking thing, on everybody money across the world, but nobody don't owe us shit. China stealing all our intellectual properties and selling to the rest of the world uh, for pennies on the fucking dollar. We losing. This man trying to stand up for the country. We can fix the rest of this shit later. First, we got to save the motherfucking ship. The ship has been sinking. Has been sinking. He's trying to put a band-aid on it, fix the mud, save the country. Then we can fix this racism shit and all this other shit that y'all keep crying about. It's time for patriots to stand up. I'm a fucking patriot. I love America. I love the freedom that it gives me here. Yeah, we got racism issues, but that's not the biggest issue. People don't understand. Trump supporters is about one thing. America first. That means we don't want to hear about your racist shit. We don't want to hear about your fucking Mexicans. We don't want to hear about your fucking transgenders and none of this shit. We want to talk about America first. And right now, we are winning. We are respected in the world right now. Okay, we're making money. People know not to play with us. Trump's number one job is commander-in-chief of our military. People say, oh, Trump want to start a war. Where the fuck is the war? He squashed the beef. You hear me? Squashed the beef. North Korea, no, don't fuck with us no more, little rocket boy, because we will smash your ass. Take real balls to do that. She ain't playing with these people. And then they try to say he colluded with Russia. Colluded with Russia for what? For peace? We was about to go with World War Three, fucking with Hillary and them. Don't y'all remember? He may be an asshole, a bigot, all that. It don't make a motherfucker different. It was not their plan for him to win. They had a plan. And now they mad as shit. So you got to hate your mother. Wake up, Patriots, stand up. This ain't a black or white thing. Stand up. God bless you. God bless America. God bless Donald Trump. And the funny thing is, uh, this is a person who posted that himself on Facebook. He uh, doesn't work for Trump's campaign or nothing like that. Uh, But check that, you know, check that audio out. That is absolutely 100% the truth. He is fighting the globalists. That's why all this is happening. And the more things happen this year, the more that calendar I spoke about earlier becomes scary because I might start to think maybe that's really going to happen. But I look forward to December, if that does happen. Uh, (laughs) But the more stuff that happens and comes on, the more they blame this guy, the more ridiculous it does become. And when you see these groups that are forming, you know, I understand if, uh, you know, black folks are are pissed uh, because of police brutality. But let's be honest, more white people get killed by cops. There's more black-on-black crime that takes, uh, you know, black people out. Uh, you know, there's an officer who is a retired named Officer Dorn who got killed in the uh, these riots. You know, we're the bleeding hearts for all these other problems. You notice that the media only likes to pounce when a, a an asshole cop loses his cool and kills some, a black dude. And it's never a guy who's, you know, uh, the leader of a marching band who gets killed. Okay, George Floyd had a rap sheet, a pretty long one. He wasn't a saint. I know it's uh, everybody wants to paint him as, uh, you know, Michelangelo or, 
you know, a, you know, a saint of fallen from heaven. No. Listen, I feel bad that the guy died the way he did, but he wasn't a good dude. Okay, this is, we're not talking about, uh, you know, Doogie Hauser got killed. Doogie Hauser, MD, or uh, some guy who uh, was living, you know, a, a, a priest life or. Uh, some uh, you know philanthropist who's been throwing money at you know causes, and a guy who cured cancer or did the first heart surgery or or nothing like that. No, this is this is a guy who has a, a rap sheet uh, for let's see, <clears throat> aggravated robbery with a deadly weapon, possession uh, with a deadly uh, weapon, possession uh, with intention to uh, to deliver. So basically, he got. Coward drugs on that one. Uh, let's see. Another one here. Trespassing. Property of a building. Uh, let's see. That's a good one. Uh, possession of narcotics. Uh, that's another good one. Uh, failed uh, identification. Failed to identify to PO fugitive. So he was a fugitive for a while. Oh, look. He had a theft. Uh, which was worth about fifty thousand to five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> okay, let's see. Uh, well, man, it's a good one. Uh, uh, actual theft from a person, and I believe this one where we actually had somebody at gunpoint and had put a gun at their at their stomach or something like that was the uh, allegation. Uh, let's see. Uh, another one here, ninety-seven. Men, uh, let's see, for delivering of narcotics, uh, one gram uh, of uh, powdery, the white uh, powdery stuff. So, we're not talking about, uh, you know, a saint that fell from heaven and this brutal cop took his life away. No, we're talking about a guy who was uh, kind of a scumbag, did a lot of, you know, bad things in his life, and... Uh, he has charges to go from 1997 all the way to 2007, so a full decade of doing very bad things. Did he turn his life around? Perhaps. Maybe he got lucky and didn't get caught for a lot of shit. Who knows? I, I don't know. But you have a guy who's been arrested for robbery with a deadly weapon, uh, theft from fifty to $500,000, theft... From a person directly, had somebody at gunpoint. Not exactly a good dude. Okay, so that's a, a, an actual police report from uh, Mr. George Floyd. So when you cry for George, and you march, and you ride, and you loot, and you steal, and you hurt others in the name of this one guy, just remember this guy has stolen, robbed, and hurt others. Real nice guy, right? That's the guy who's caused all these issues. Now, again, I don't think any of his past is reason for what happened to him, and I uh, I feel bad that he's you know gone and died. He should not have uh, died in the hands of that officer, uh, ex police officer, I should say, and uh, that man and the uh, people that were there with him, the other cops. Um, ex-cops are all going to face their punishment. And they're all going to go to prison, and they're all going to do their time. The law's going to do what they got to do. I know now they have them at uh, Murder 2, I believe, which is a hell of a charge. 
uh, honestly, uh, <laughs> let's be honest, the, uh, the the main guy who uh, killed uh, George, uh, he should just, uh, I mean, Derek Chuvian, I believe is his name, uh, that guy should just go to, uh, to prison for life. I mean, uh, there's no reason for him to ever see the light of day again. It, when you take somebody's life and the way he did it, I mean, you, if you look at the video, he literally was gloating as he's taking this uh, this man's life. And, uh, I mean, it, it's the video is very, very hard to watch. And uh, it's... Yeah, Derek, uh, Ch I believe it's uh, pronounced Chauvin. Chauvin. Um, he should do life, if, uh, if anything. Maybe uh, death row, ultimate penalty. Some people uh, have said he's part of a race of soldiers or a race soldier, or he's a racist. Now, we don't know if it's racially motivated. Like I said, we have no idea of that. I do know that there are other cops involved. Remember, there are four of them who got arrested. His partner was an Asian-American. There's also a, another black officer who was there at the scene and another white officer. And none of them did a thing to stop this. So, you know, I know that the left wants to uh, go ahead and make this a real big, you know, racist issue, but... Let's uh, be careful when uh, we start throwing terms like racism around, because this might not even been a racial thing. These two had uh, an, a history, Floyd and uh, Shabalama Ding Dong over here, uh, Chauvin. I don't know if uh, Officer uh, Tao Tao, which is uh, Chauvin's uh, partner in crime here, I don't know if he had a history with Floyd, but I do know that uh, Derek Chauvin had a history. They worked at the same company at one point where Derek was the police officer off-duty outside and uh, George Floyd was the inside security and they overlapped and worked the same nights a few times. Whether or not they actually worked together or not and knew each other and met and hung out, that part I don't know. You know, maybe there's a brief history between them. There's some more said. Uh, there definitely is other video than just the main video that everybody saw at first. Other videos of uh, this show, uh, different aspects and layers to what uh, happened here on this story. So we got to, you know, keep our cools and uh, wait for all the evidence to uh, go down. This is going to be an interesting court case uh, when, it, when it actually does go be, before a judge and it goes uh, beyond that to a jury, which I suspect it will, probably pretty soon so everybody can you know, get their cool and and calm the hell down. I love how people jump the gun, though. Uh, you know, everybody's quick to overreact and let their emotions take over. Uh, I had a, a friend of mine actually ask me, are you going to go out in March? You know, uh, do any of the, uh, that stuff? And I was like, uh, no, dog, I'm going to be at the house. I'll be chilling. I'm not interested in uh, getting involved in any marching or looting or any of that nonsense. Not my bag. Besides, I, I'm, a, I'm kind of a logical uh, person. I, I enjoy seeing things 
before I react to them. You know, I don't uh, just uh, like to get my emotions going and say, you see, the entire country is racist, because it really isn't. I've had good experiences and bad experiences with people of all race, colors, religions, backgrounds. And, uh, you know, it's every group has a bad seed. Cops are people, too, and people forget that. People think, oh, police, uh, that's an institution of evil. Okay, well, you know you can become a cop yourself, right? If you do that, are you part of the institution of evil? Because if there's no cops, there will be a lot of evil on the streets. And I think these people want to see the purge happen for real. With that said, folks, we want to take a, a quick break. When we come back in a few minutes... We're going to have our guest, Mark Fiorentino, on, and we're going to talk about his book, Master of Reality. Again, a very, very interesting book. All right, everybody, welcome back to Inside the Jackal's Head, again, live with you on PSN Radio. And uh, tonight we have a very special guest, and we're going to get uh, deep into some uh, very, very interesting topics when it comes to the world of the real. And I say that with uh, a lot of uh, really uh, a lot of hope for the future because if some of this stuff uh, comes to pass, we're going to have a very interesting future. Unfortunately, folks like myself won't live to see most of the uh, technology, which we're going to cover tonight. But the gentleman uh, who's joining me now is uh, the author of the book Master of Reality. His name is Mark Ferentino. And Mark, thank you so much for being here with me tonight, and I love the book. So far from what I've read, it's uh, fascinating. Uh, it deals with a, you know, a lot of science, but there's a lot more into this book. And uh, thank you so much for spending your time with us tonight. Well, thank you for having me, Angel. I appreciate it. We're going to have some fun tonight, talking about a lot of interesting stuff. Definitely. I know that, uh, you know, as I, I'm sure you heard the first hour, I do with a lot of politics and political stuff. Uh, I'm not going to get into that with you, but there is one thing that I wanted to bring up because it was kind of amusing. And uh, I, the first hour, I talked about a uh, calendar. And uh, in the next few months, we have aliens coming, an alien invasion, supposedly, right? <laughs> now, yeah. something that surprised me about your book is because uh, I when I first saw the uh, you know the the report on it and the, I saw the the cover I was like oh this is going to be interesting uh, it definitely deals with science and uh, this is something that I'm deeply into you know the, the theory of relativity Albert Einstein possible multi universes and then it, you you know I saw that oh it also has stuff about extraterrestrials even more interesting uh, because you know this year we've had finally an admission from our own government that. The Pentagon released some videos saying, yeah, you know, we these things lying around. We don't know what they are, but they're definitely not, you know, something that we, that we conventionally are, are using. So what are they? And uh, the fact that you covered that in the book fascinated me. And uh, so far, uh, amazing stuff. But for the audience who are listening, uh, please give us a brief rundown of, uh, of Master of Reality and what the book, you know, is all about and uh, how you came to uh, actually pen this book. Sure, sure, I'll do that. Uh, my book, The Master of Reality, is about the discovery of the theory of everything. It was originally called the Unified Field Theory by Albert Einstein. The most important thing to remember is that the Unified Field Theory is the holy grail of theoretical physics. Mm -hmm. I believe that I have solved this incredibly difficult problem. 
So basically, you know, that's it. My book is for people who are curious about what what is real and how things work in the material world, hence the master of reality. So it's it's that, but it's everything surrounding the the theory of everything. There's a lot of interconnections to aliens, to UFOs, mm -hmm. to near-death experiences. There's a near-death experience I describe in this book that I was searching for and found. Uh, it gave me vital information to help me complete the theory of gravity. So there's a, a whole lot of things. It's not just, I think a lot of people may, may be getting technically afraid of reading the book or whatever because it's you know it's about unified field theory and albert einstein they figure well it's over their head and uh, not necessarily the case most of it <laughs> is stories or, and interesting things you're going to get into some more interesting things about how they're you know little things in physics that they're doing that's not quite right and so you know that needs to be covered. It's an interesting story how they're really not measuring the speed of light right. Mm. And that plays into a, a whole bunch of other things. So one, thing I loved about, one thing I loved about Einstein was the way he, uh, he kind of like simplified it when he says he wants to read God's mind. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of his his idea behind the theory of relativity and what everything meant. That's really what he was trying to achieve. Is that more or less where, where you started at also? Yeah, uh, like you said, Einstein once said, I want to know God's thoughts. The rest right. are details. Mm -hmm. I discovered the details are God's thoughts. So technically speaking, this book is about the mind of God as is expressed in physical reality. So that's the intelligent design theory. So yeah, you're you're right. It's it's really about that since I am proposing that basically God created this universe and all the other universes. And this <laughs> is talked about many times in near death experiences. This is a place where I get got some of my evidence from. And over and over again, they're saying God creates universes constantly. And uh, there's a never-ending amount of them. And, and the the, the uh, other world, the superverse, if you want to call it that, where all the universes and dimensions are located, is it's just hard to wrap your mind around. I try not to think about it too much because <laughs> it's dealing with the infinite. And the infinite kind of gets circular in your head, the logic starts to <laughs> loop, and it's not good for you to think about it too much, I don't think, but it's good to acknowledge that it's there. So, yeah, it's definitely, uh, Einstein has um, definitely played a major role. I, I give him 90-something percent credit for for what uh, I was able to accomplish. I was, you know, stood on his shoulders, basically, to finish up his dream. You know, Mark, it's funny when I, whenever I hear the term infinite, uh, it's always something that, you know, makes me a little loopy in the head because it's so hard to wrap yes. your mind around uh, the right. concept of, of infinity, of nothing ever ending, something that doesn't have a, 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 a stop or a wall that that stops, okay. you know, whatever this reality is. Uh, I, I remember as a kid when uh, I would have, you know, conversations with my dad, which was not a... a well-educated uh, gentleman, uh, he had a, a, maybe a fifth-grade education at best. 
and uh, but he was a, a, a thinker, you know, and uh, he would uh, from time to time come up with some really good conversation. Not always. A lot of times it was just a rambling of a madman, but sometimes uh, it, it would be interesting uh, stuff. And you know, once in a while we would, we would talk about space and time, and and uh, we would have these conversations where he's trying to explain infinity. And as a kid, I would just you know scratch my head at just a mere concept. And as an adult now, we're talking about I'm 42. And still the concept is just uh, one that is hard to wrap your head around. Uh, now, we, you know, there's two terms here. There's infinity, time, and space, where we, everything just keeps going forever. And, of course, the infinite uh, could be, you know, looked at as the infinite small, uh, the infinite point mm-hmm. that connects everything in the universe. Uh, going back into science, at the infinite level, uh, one of the things that stemmed from Einstein's work was, of course, uh, super string theory, which deals with the the infinite in itself. Um, you you know you cover that in the book, correct? Super string theory, so you know that uh, which has completely revolutionized uh, the way people look at science these days. I think. Well, string theory is really has to do with quantum mechanics mm-hmm. and. I'm I'm kind of hard on string theory and quantum mechanics, and I'll tell you why. Um, there, like you say, there are many people that believe it, it has revolutionized things. But uh, Einstein fought hard to put quantum mechanics in this place. He had many discussions. There were famous debates with Niels Bohr. And it was considered that Einstein yep. lost those debates, but uh, in reality, physics lost those debates because quantum mechanics took over, and uh, now basically we have physics running down the rabbit hole, and it's lost its touch with reality entirely. And our best physicists are being tied up in into into string theory, which is probably going to be in the end a, a dead end theory, and uh, it's one not of the really issues. Provable. Yeah, one of the issues with string theory, and you're absolutely right where you're heading. I think on this uh, is not only is not is not provable, but how many different variations of it have come out? <laughs> yeah, you I know counted what I mean? them one time. There's, there's many. There's like eight or ten. There's and now yeah. the, the the one guy witness <laughs> said, "Well, they're all different versions of the same thing. It, it yeah. just goes on and on." <laughs> and it's a shame because we really need these physicists working on the classical theory. They need to go back to where Einstein was in 1905, and then all the way up into 1916 when he came up with general relativity. That's where physics basically stopped, and it, it shot off into the quantum mechanics direction, and we really haven't advanced much since then, and uh, we're not going to solve the unified field theory using quantum mechanics, unfortunately. I know that's going to piss off a lot of physicists, but <laughs> I, yeah. I, 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 I got to say, it's it's... It's not going to be a. It's not about a particle-particle interaction, and that's what quantum mechanics is all about. It's about a particle-to-space interaction, and that's what I did to 
prove the and solve the unified field theory and the gravity problem is went back to 1905 and stepped through the whole process again, found the errors in history and corrected them and and came up with the theory. So, so that's where we're well, at right now. So that, that's your, what's the conclusion then for the missing link in the unified field theory? Well, once we went off course with quantum mechanics, and Einstein tried to steer us back, and, mm-hmm. and he made some great speeches uh, about that. And um, he um, did uh, a couple, uh, well, one in 1920 was a Leyden speech, and uh, mm-hmm. I think it was in the Netherlands. And um, he basically said that the ether does exist. See, in 1905, it turned out that they did this test. It was a Michelson-Morley test, and it was designed to to detect the ether. And everybody at that time was pretty sure it existed. Mm -hmm. But the ether experiment failed to find the ether wind. And so everybody says, well, that's it, including Einstein at the time, and said there's basically no ether wind. There must be no ether. And I go into the book and try to explain the misinterpretation. They did the experiment properly, and the measurements are correct, but they completely misinterpreted the result of that experiment. And uh, in the end, when Einstein made general theory of relativity, he then came back and said later on that there must be an ether because space is bent, and you can't bend something that doesn't exist. Correct. So, so there has to be, you know, a medium of some sort. And like Lorenz said, it was—it's a quasi-elastic solid, mm-hmm. and everything is built from that. So th- that's the big mistake that I talk about because you have to have that in order to build the whole theory as I have it. And uh, I agree with Einstein what he said in those times that there, the ether must exist. So that's it's a very important point. I, I make that throughout the book. And, now, uh, let me ask you a question uh, when it comes to the ether. Uh, is this similar to what NASA has been researching, uh, at least what they've publicly admitted to have been researching for at least a few decades, uh, zero-point energy? Um. Zero point. It's a. I think that comes from quantum mechanics too, and I'm mm-hmm. really not that up on the zero point energy. Every once in a while, I read a little something. There's, and so I don't really feel comfortable about talking about it that much. But I think what you'll find in either quantum mechanics or anything else, they replace the ether with something very similar. Mm. Uh, but Makes always sense. in a in a quantum mechanics, the field is a particle field of some sort, a hidden in a hidden dimension. And uh, uh, string theory, all of their particle fields are hidden in, in the strings themselves, the vibrating strings are hidden in, a, in some dimension that's curled up uh, conveniently so that we can never see it, detect it, measure it, or anything else. And I'm, I'm thinking the zero-point stuff is, is similar uh, there's a lot of people working on it, but uh, it's it would be maybe classified as another ether if it's all pervasive, if, if it's in everywhere and in everything. That's an ether. 
Right. Uh, <laughs> it's a different, it may be a different type than what I'm saying because I'm the one I'm going with is the one Lorenz went with and Einstein went with, which is the quasi elastic solid and it's stationary. Hmm. And uh, it's, yeah, I get into it and it gets kind of technical in the book, but it, it is, my theory is built on, on the ether, and I'm quite sure it's correct and that the ether exists. So Now, do you believe the universe was created um, then by, uh, I guess, a god, or uh, did it all happen randomly? How, I mean, how, what are your thoughts on how the universe was created? Yeah, um, there's, there's the debate, the random one, which really I, I've never felt was a reasonable thing because how does something come from nothing right uh, randomly and be perfectly tuned for life <laughs> this universe it got all these constants and all these things set so that the stars will burn for a sufficient amount of time so mm -hmm. life can form on planets it's too coincidental and more they study the intelligence the design theory, the more they're coming up with stuff. Even biologically in the DNA, there seems to be mm -hmm. coding and programming in there that uh, it's hard to explain how it's so perfectly done so that life emerges. Uh, it's Intelligent design is, the, I'm quite certain, the way. And I got a lot of that evidence because I'm very interested in near-death experiences. Mm. And over and over again, they come back and say, God has told me, he showed me. one lady, he even demonstrated creating the universe uh, repeatedly. They're saying that. And these people, there's over 200,000 near-death experiences now a year just in the United States. They yeah. all can't be lying, and they all yeah. can't be mistaken. Well, it's only a small percentage here. It, Mark, it's just a small percentage of those people are telling the truth. Uh, Five percent, ten percent, whatever right. it is. I mean, that that right. tells you everything right there, uh, which is incredible in itself. But let's just say, uh, you know, the these folks are are having an encounter with a god. Uh, this is a conversation I've gone with. Uh, even religious folks, and let's just say it didn't end well. Uh, mm -hmm. When I when I've mentioned this next thing, I'm going to tell you: uh, no matter what your religion is, no matter uh, which god you pray to, uh, at the end of the day, if the god is not from Earth, it's an extraterrestrial fact. Uh, it, it could have been a creator. No matter how you look at it, uh, now this extraterrestrial god that's from outside the earth because anything outside the earth is extraterrestrial is et um now this et god uh would he be in our realm in our 3d dimension uh would it be something outside of our dimension do you think i mean what are your thoughts on on how that process happened do you think it, it, if it was an intelligent design there has to be some form i guess of uh of of a being, I mean, the Bible, and I know that's just a book of stories as well, but it, it does say that uh, the Elohim created men in their image and their likeness. Uh, my question is, who is they and what do they look like? And if we're in their image and in their likeness, then they look a lot like us. And it's funny, since we're kind of playing God now, mixing genomes and genetics and 
uh, creating possibly artificial intelligence and robots and all kinds of things in the near near future. Uh, we're playing God. Uh, so it seems to like this is a process that we're replicating. Yeah. Um, the God I've come to understand, the, Einstein had God as a universal being, but not a personal God. I've changed a little. I believe, yes, God is a universal God. And I mean, uh, what I mean is that there is no correct one and only religion i know that might ex upset a lot of people but <laughs> i can tell i can tell you of a near-death experience where three people died they were struck by lightning one mm. was a christian one was uh hebrew and the other was a muslim and they all died went up they had the near-death experience together were standing in front of the light and each one saw God differently. One saw him as a Christian, like a Christ light. The other saw like a Hebrew light. No, it was not, not Hebrew. It was an Indian uh, from India. Excuse okay. me. Indian. And then, um, and then the Muslims saw like the well of souls. And as each one was looking at the God. They looked at each other and could see that the other one was seeing him differently. Uh, and then... The story goes on that they were all revived after the lightning strike and, and they were brought back. They all told the exact same story. Now, that is a very weird circumstance to have three people have a near death, but they share the whole near death experience. They had the same one together. And then the only difference is, yeah, the only difference was they individually saw like their version of what God was. Yeah, he, and and yeah. other other near death people have said God doesn't really care. He just wants to have a personal relationship with each person, and mm -hmm. you could take many roads to get to the city, but they all lead to the city. Right. So God is the main town, and take whatever road you want. Just tolerate each other here, and problems will go away. Just accept that. And that's what I've come to realize that God, I'm a Catholic, I go to Catholic Church, I enjoy the Mass, uh, and it works for me, and I can have a personal relationship with God and, and pray and, and do things of that nature. Uh, so th that's kind of what the way I see God. And so far as this universe is concerned, um, we are all a part of him. All the material substance, God, as I've been told by some of these people, these near-death people, when you're on the other side and you're reconnected to God, it's like a total consciousness where everyone is connected somehow. Um, you, you can become aware or God is aware of every grain of sand on every planet in the entire universe. He knows its purpose, knows its position, knows everything about it. And it's everything. And many, one site on, on my website, I have one um, near-death guy where he talks about that. And he says, God is everything. It's everyone. We're all connected. So it's, it's a universal concept. So the, our dimension is a subset of the spiritual realm. You know, we're a different level. There are mm -hmm. many levels of reality and this is the physical level this is a level where you can experience pain suffering 
joy, all the all these experiences that are much more difficult to uh, to to have on the other side where everything is perfect. So this would this be like has... purgur- would this be like purgatory? Really? I mean, uh, I know that a lot of folks like say, well, you know, when you die, if you were bad, you would go to purgatory. Maybe this is purgatory. For some people, it is because. Hell and purgatory, according to what I understand from what they said, is really in your mind. And if right. you're in that state, when you pass over, you're going to go to that kind of place until such time as you're ready to move out of there. It's not God punishing you and placing you there. It's you're in that state and you can't get out of that mental state until you're ready and when you do, then you can move up to the higher levels. So that may take a moment or an, etern- or an eternally long time, maybe <laughs> hundreds of thousands of years or whatever. But it, because time there is also very different. It's not like it is here. It's, it's hard to describe. Uh, it's just, it doesn't exist there from what I understand. Uh, and I still can't really get the full feel of that because I'm in the, in the flesh here and you know I'm like everybody else I I experienced this stubbornly persistent illusion and it's hard to to imagine anything else but um basically uh we're all a part of the the god consciousness I guess and I wonder sometimes if maybe we're uh, just a um some sort of in a dream <laughs> uh, who who you know, could say I mean really I mean the I guess you can get the best things you can get from a near-death, reading a lot of those near-death, or watching them on YouTube. There's many good ones on YouTube as well. I think uh, a lot of times when I look at uh, you know space and I look at other planets, and then I see things uh, through a microscope, literally, and I'm looking at, at like atoms, DNA, and, and things of that mm-hmm. nature, and I started to think to myself, I'm like, you know, I realize that there's life within our own bodies that live, you know, as a, as a symbiont to, you know, with us. And because we're alive, they're alive. And uh, without us, uh, you know, there'll be no them. Uh, and when I look at, again, at atoms or protons or any of these things, and then I look at something in space, I'm reminded of them. It's almost like... Uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're living on this little planet, but on the outside, we actually could just be uh, in t- you know, inside the mind of a being that is just, you know, living its life on another yeah. realm, another dimension. And uh, it could just be uh, some uh, some place where infinity is uh, something that is a concept we can't grasp. But for us, uh, you know, we live, what, 80 years, if we're lucky, 90 years, if we're really yeah. lucky. Uh, this being my goal for billions and trillions of years, which to us would be a year. You know, we don't know the concept of whatever might be outside the bubble, and we'll just call it that for now, or outside whatever the God being is in that realm. Uh, but yeah, it could very well be something like that. Like, we're just inside of a being that's alive, and uh, everything that's happening, it's an, an infinite level which we can't conceive of because we have our own infinite level. And uh, mm-hmm. we keep going lower and lower and lower and lower into the infinite uh, quantum you know, levels. And uh, it's amazing how everything kind of looks the same, isn't it? 
Yeah, it, it's just a matter of scale. You're, yeah. you're skipping. Yeah. I, I've done that too, where you look at the one scale, you see things that are similar to the larger scale. Planets going around the sun, electrons going around the proton. It's, yep. it's a matter of scale and makes you wonder about that which is eternal. And God is an eternal being. And as I understand it, so are we. We don't ever really die. Uh, I've had many conversations, you know, went to very famous mediums and had discussions with my parents, uh, my uh, spirit guides and such, and I've gotten proof positive there's an afterlife. And I'll, I'll give you an example. There's one medium I went to. I was having marital problems, having to do with trying to invent things. I didn't have money, and my wife was, was spending a lot of money and so forth. And Welcome to I America. Was recommend, <laughs> I was recommended that I go to this medium because I had this feeling of destiny, and I wanted to do this, and I was getting interfered with because we couldn't manage our finances right. And so we went to this medium, uh, and the first one of the first things she said to me, well, the first thing she said to me, in your final days, you will be a spiritual teacher. And uh, then the, the next thing, when my mother came forward, she, your mother says to you that she's been sitting in the chair in the bedroom at night while you've been making your prayers, the chair you asked her to sit in, which was absolutely correct. I would say my prayers at night, and I imagined her sitting in a yellow chair. I would invite my mother to sit down there, and we would talk i would converse uh, of course i couldn't hear anything back but this prayer you know and right. she got that absolutely right and my mother told her to tell me that she's been sitting in the chair there's no way that lady could have known that no way unless of course my mother was actually there telling her mm, right and that's not, pretty yeah. strong evidence for me personally, maybe not for other people, but for me, because I know that happened exactly like that. And you know, I, 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 I'm sorry to cut you off, but it, it's uh, you know, I, I share a kind of a, a, a moment there with you with a mother issue. My mother passed away in 2016, and the, she died of cancer. The moment oh, that she God. died, thank you. Um, the moment that she died, my father was standing right next to her holding her hand and, uh, he literally, uh, tells me, um, your mom is, is gone. And he had this really strange look about him. And when I look down, I see that she's passed and I'm in the same room. I was actually arguing with the nurse about what was going on with the medication that I'd given her. It's a long story. Um, yeah. But when I look down and I see her face and I see that she's gone, uh, of course, I start to react. I start crying. The emotions take oh. over. Um, a few minutes later, my father pulls me away from the room and he tells me, listen, I when you know she passed, I saw something like literally leave her body. And he couldn't really explain it. My father's never been an, a super religious person. Uh, we, I grew up a Jehovah's Witness, of all things. Um, but I've been to uh, different churches. I, I've read, you know, multiple Bibles. Uh, you know, the Torah, actually, I try to go through the Torah. Very hard to read. 
Uh, I've read, you know, the uh, King James Version of the Bible and whatnot. And uh, I consider myself pretty decently, uh, you know, knowledgeable when it comes to religion. And uh, my father is kind of the same way. Uh, but he's we've never been the type of person who goes to church every Sunday, for example, um, or anything of that nature. And uh, he doesn't really particularly believe uh, so much in uh, in stories, theories, conspiracies, you know, a lot of this stuff. Uh, but he was very, very honest and very humbly said, I saw, and, and the way he described it was was mesmerizing. He said, I saw, he said he saw like a, a white image mm-hmm. just leave her body. And like he took a physical form for a split second, looked at him, and just floated away. And he said that that was the last thing he saw. He was holding her hand as I'm looking down. And uh, at that point, he knew that she was gone. There was no need to try to come back and revive her. Her soul had left her, basically. And that's what he was getting at, that he literally saw her spirit leave her body. And to me, that makes sense, because if we're all made of energy, energy doesn't just die. It goes somewhere. And I've had this discussion with energy is the soul, and where does it go afterwards? Yes, uh, you're correct in that it is an energy. It's not the kind of energy we're talking about here. Spiritual energy is not a physical, like electrons or or that. It's some other kind of energy, and I I can't even tell you what it is, but you're right. It's an energy, it's a spiritual energy, and that can't be destroyed, and that is her spirit, her soul leaving the body. That's a very good story, and I appreciate you sharing that. People need to hear that. People need to understand there is an afterlife. There is a God. Really. I mean, they should be teaching this in school. <laughs> it, yeah. it, should, it would help center people. would help pe- people be more virtuous and, mm-hmm. and, and calmer. And, uh, you know, we've kind of gotten away from that, especially in science. There's a lot of scientists don't embrace the, the God concept at all. And are agnostic, or they or they don't believe at all. And um, in my in my research and my my work, it was essential to determine whether there was a god in the afterlife or not, because I wanted to know if there was a creator or not. Once right. I established that uh, that there was a creator, then I decided that, as you'll see in the book, that I I uh, actually asked. Like the the thing that we spoke of earlier with uh, Albert Einstein, what he said, I said that gave me an idea to do uh, research uh, to read to read God's mind, basically. Which I don't I don't mean to be disrespectful there, but uh, I figured there is a way to do that, maybe, and it was through near death experiences. And I was looking for something uh, in particular, a dynamic geometry that would be occurring on the inside of the particles, which is where my theory was coming from, basically, that the the quarks moving in a particular pattern makes Mm -hmm. a gravitational field. So I knew Einstein was working on that in his last days, and so I did some research to find if there was indeed a dynamical geometry, and I called that dynamical geometry the signature of God. Because I figured 
he's the creator, well, perhaps he signed his work. And if he indeed, indeed did that, then where would the signature be? And then I had a riddle come into my mind. It basically said, the signature is in everywhere and in everything, but impossible to see. So I thought about that for a few moments. I said, well, that's a pretty easy riddle to solve. It's inside the atom. We'll never be able to see in there, but uh, that's got to be the place where it's at because that's atoms are everywhere across the universe right and they are in everything and that would be the perfect place to to put the signature and so I went in and I did some more research and I said well perhaps somebody saw the pattern in the afterlife so I went and read many many for about a week or so NDEs and I found somebody that in fact did see a three dimensional pattern uh, and God was talking to her telepathically and said, this is the source. This is the energy that forms mass, which is perfect with my theory. Mm. And uh, I talk about that in the book. So it's a very interesting topic. I, got, I think I spent two chapters talking about the pattern and the, and the woman, Lynn Claire Dennis, who saw this pattern. I've talked with her. We've had many conversations uh, through the Internet. And um, they do their research, I do mine. I tried to uh, help them out a little bit by explaining what I thought it was. And they were kind and they listened and so forth. But uh, uh, their main mathematical guy is a kind of a quantum mechanics kind of a guy. Or he certainly has their philosophy. So we didn't agree since I'm classical. (laughs) (laughs) So we went our, our separate ways. But that was, I got what I was looking for. And it's in the book, and it's a beautiful thing, and it does explain how the uh, how the uh, proton and neutron obtain their mass. And again, it all looks like space. Now, the universe uh, was created. Uh, now, how will it end? You know, because mm-hmm. uh, and, and look, I, I'm not like I said, super religious. I would tend to say I'm agnostic in a way. I'm not atheist. Uh, so I do believe that there's an afterlife. I do think that there's a possibility of God and all that stuff. I just don't subscribe to a, a particular religion anymore. Uh, but That's I will fine. say this much. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I love uh, talking to everybody from all the different religions so just to get their input and their insight uh, on the way they see things. Because everybody sees things on their own point of view. Now, of course, you know, science has this block where they're like, well, the Big Bang, that explains everything. And then, of course, you have more religious folks who are like, no, God created everything. Uh, There there could be an easy merge where God created the heavens and the universe, and then everything that came afterwards created itself. There could also be the God being that we're just all riding along inside of, and that's a big mystery that we'll solve one day where... Hey, look at that. We're just living inside some kind of a being that's on another bubble outside our our thought pattern. It's in a different realm or dimension or whatever you want to look at it. Uh, But if there's a beginning, obviously there's an end. Uh, What are your thoughts on whether the beginning was the Big Bang or whatever? What would be the end of the universe? Because a lot of folks, of course, say the Big Crunch is the Mm -hmm. end. I mean, would yeah, you I'm, I'm, well, to that? I'm going to be agreeing with those people. Okay. <laughs> uh, the the Big Bang, I'm 
pretty darn certain happened. And I have okay. three chapters where I devote to cosmology theory. And I uh, fill in a lot of blanks and I come up with a, uh, a, a particle explanation for the Big Bang. Mm-hmm. But basically that's, you know, God created the universe and the Big Bang was part of the creation process. And yeah, there's definitely going to be a big crunch. As a matter of fact, we are already in that the crunch phase, whereas the rest of the folks seem to think that uh, they're using incomplete data, uh, small mm-hmm. data sets, uh, going all the way back to Hubble, and, right. and they really believe it's expanding because they're right. We've seen many uh, galaxies are rushing away from us. Right. But they didn't look at the bigger picture, and astronomers now have, and they're not being listened to, a lot of them, and they're pretty angry about it. But there's these uh, big maps they've made of the known universe, right. and like our, our galaxy, along with uh, uh, Andromeda and a few hundred others, are all being are all heading to something called the Great Attractor. Right, which yeah, is this the, big, yes. dark, ominous spot. And we're mm-hmm. going there at, uh, I don't know, how, it's like 2 million miles an hour or something like that. We're accelerating towards it. Notice I use the word accelerating there. Uh, the accelerations of all of these galaxies, they're going off in all these odd directions in big groups, in clusters. They're all falling towards something and that's why they're accelerating gravity causes acceleration so the bigger picture is yeah yeah those are accelerating away from us but not because space is expanding it's because they're falling toward black holes and these things are in strategic locations throughout the big picture here but not only are we falling toward the great attractor but the great attractor is falling toward another even bigger one Oh, okay. And these things are as just as I predicted, and that's why I knew to go look for them, and I was able to find that evidence by going and looking at all these astronomy websites and seeing what they had to say. I said, there's got to be super massive black holes out there. This is how it's going to end, and we're all going to be crushed into those, and then eventually those will merge. And then you'll have the cosmic egg, is what I call it again. Mm. And when you have enough mass and energy, it's going to get so compacted, the pressure within the center part of it is going to go what I, I called into the Fiori threshold. And there's going to be a, a massive electromagnetic energy burst coming from within that's going to destabilize the gravitational uh, structures of all the neutrons because this thing this super black hole is made of neutronium nothing but neutrons okay and i go and, and that makes sense if you look at everything all the chapters all the chapters that i talk about i talk mm-hmm. about the neutron has a very odd behavior and i got suspicious when i learned about it this is the, the proton lifetime lasts essentially forever you can set a proton out in space with an electron that's hydrogen perfect and it'll float out there forever it won't decay but the neutron if you isolate it within 15 minutes it turns into a proton with an electron perfect 
So that told me there's something that that was created that way because it, that needs to happen. So there must be a time when the universe is nothing but neutrons. And when the Big Bang happens and all those neutrons come flying out of the neutronium along with uh, neutron star-like objects, the cosmic seeds, those come out and the, the universe is reborn. So all the neutrons within 15 minutes turn into hydrogen gas. Now we have the material to make stars and galaxies. It's perfect. So, in other words, we have the Big Bang followed by the Big Crunch, and then it just happens again. So it's an ongoing cycle. It's an ongoing cycle. And, and I even invented technology uh, in the book called the Stellar Converter. Okay. It's a very powerful technology. It uses the slipwave spatial bias drive, which is the mode of operation of UFOs. That's what I believe they use, because it's the only way that's sensible that you can drive or fly faster than the speed of light. But you can use this technology because it's an anti-gravity technology, mm. and you can lower it at the poles, and it's described in my book. And, and what you'll do is, as you do this with these concentric rings as they are lowered once the magnetic field makes contact with the neutronium it releases the gravitational hold on the neutronium and then you get a ferocious beam of energy coming off of the top and the bottom of the uh, black hole and they've seen these in outer space they're called quasars right now they they have their explanation for them but many of the astronomers have noted that there's intense magnetic fields occurring at the poles. So there's two possible explanations. There's a lot of matter and energy circling it in the accretion disk, and that's creating a super gigantic magnet, and that's causing it to explode at the holes because magnetism neutralizes gravity. And that's what you need to make the black hole come apart in a in a way that is controlled somewhat. It's not a gigantic explosion. There's other methods I describe in the in the book that can cause an explosion, but they are really unsafe. I mean, they th that explosion of a black hole, if it's a significant size, could take out a whole galaxy or oh, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, do you subscribe to the, uh, I mean, I don't know if there's a theory anymore, uh, but do you subscribe to the uh, ongoing uh, speculation that there's a black hole at the center of the Milky Way? Yes. Yeah, that's and definitely been proven. I've seen okay. uh, the photographs. I've seen Every galaxy has one. And but how, what and point does that play sense. with the... What point does that play? I mean, is that helping to push the galaxies along towards uh, these supermassive black holes? The, the, in my theory, the neutronium seeds come out at the, the Big Bang. So what happens is there's not just neutron particles that turn into hydrogen gas. Okay. Uh, th that's not enough. Gas won't, won't really accumulate into stars without a gravitational source, according to right. my theory. So, stars, all of them, have neutronium cores. They're seeds that were sent out, and these seeds attract the gas around the spinning neutronium spheres. And this is what's causing the star formation, 
And so you have the bigger one, the bigger neutronium seed. It's gathering the gases and the other ones, and they form galaxies and all the stars. So that's a new theory. Uh, the old theory was gas would just come together magically somehow, even though it has a, a very strong repulsive force. You know, gas doesn't just on its own crush down into this super dense state without some help. That always bothered me, that explanation. I says, well, mm -hmm. I just can't see the gases <laughs> out in the, you know, outer space where there's no pressure at all. What makes the, the gravity is way too weak to overcome the, uh, the, the electromagnetic repulsive forces of the particles. There's no way that it's going to accumulate. There has to be a gravitational source that draws it in, spins it around because the, these seeds are spinning. They're spinning spheres of neutronium. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's just what you need. And there is evidence that there is something solid in the sun, because NASA's got, uh, uh, and I don't have the graph right here with me right now, but uh, there's a graph that's in my book that shows as you go deeper and deeper in, I don't know how exactly they determine this with radar or whatever they do, but uh, there's a graph and it collapses and you, at a certain point, at like seven-tenths of the way in it starts to get solid and the further in you go all the way to 0.5 it doesn't go away to the to zero unfortunately it only goes to like 50% but it's a definite trend toward being solid so whatever's in there is solid now they they're not willing to say it's neutronium they don't even have that on their radar screen but they're saying the pressure of the gases and whatever it's acting like a solid but yeah I think it's a solid. So that's a new breakthrough theory that's in my my book. Now, let me ask you because you know uh, there's a, of course there's a connection of extraterrestrials uh, in uh, in all this. Uh, you know, what's your connection to them, and why are they coming to Earth of all places? Uh, you know, jumping from uh, one scientific point of view to uh, a little bit more of the uh, conspiratorial part of the book. When it comes to the mm -hmm. ETs, why Earth, of all places? Uh, as one, uh, when I read in a book one time, he said, we saw a globe. <laughs> and they came, they're explorers. They're explorers. And uh, I'm, there, there's probably many reasons. Certainly, you know, reasons like what you see on Star Trek. They just want to see new places. But I, what is very important, not only for them, but for us, we have to bilocate on other planet. We have to be on other planets to ensure the survival of the species. Uh, this place can go up at any time. We could get hit mm. by a meteor. We could, like you were talking earlier, uh, <laughs> you saw my calendar. Well, it's a super it's volcano <laughs> could go up. We could get wiped out. We have to be on another planet. This yeah. is why we need to get my slipway bias drive built. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you You're know why kidding. are they coming yeah. here? Because they they're explorers. Because they need places to to have. Uh, you know they probably have underground bases. Let's face it. <laughs> why they haven't made contact with us directly yet in a public way is probably because we've cut a deal with them, and, and probably the United States. 
uh, and um, so they have contacted us, but the people, the officials aren't, you know, haven't come out yet. Perhaps at some point they will, because let's face it, like you said earlier, they they uh, they have uh, released some stuff from the Pentagon, and then there was mm-hmm. those UFO sightings over in California, on the West Coast with the Navy pilots tracking the Tic Tacs, and um, they tracked them, and they they're landing off uh, in just a little uh, some island just off of Mexico. Mm-hmm. And they're going underwater, and uh, so they probably. Oh, a, a lot of them are seen coming out of water, by, and reported by a lot of mm-hmm. Navy folks. Uh, in fact, they're USOs, undersea objects, as they're referred right. to. And uh, you know, I, I had a gentleman on uh, on the network here for a long time named Dennis Crenshaw, who uh, was known for a long time in the '90s as the Hollow Earth Insider. And uh, he, not that he subscribed so much as, you know, the earth being hollow, uh, but he did a lot of reports and research into the uh, subject of the hollow earth theory. And one thing that he came away with was that uh, he did believe that there was pockets within the earth where life was sustainable. And there were beings that were literally uh, living there for many generations that we haven't... Uh, become a you know accustomed to understanding who they are where they you know where they've been uh maybe they've been here the entire time uh do you subscribe to some of that that maybe they've been here the entire time and these are some of the creators that we might know a part of the big god that created the cosmos well um yeah i i think because this time scale is so large there's there's easily possible that there's alien civilizations that are not just millions of years more advanced they may even be into the one or two billion years more advanced can you imagine the technology they would have they would seem like gods to us Mm -hmm. the things they would not only technically they do but psychically i am sure by that time you know another million years of evolution we're going to have people that are very psychic. Look at how many of them there are now. They're just popping up everywhere. And, and the ones, by far, most of the ones I went to are very good at being mm-hmm. able to be mediums between here and the afterlife. They can do, uh, you know, there's remote viewers that the government has used. So we're evolving and we're becoming more psychic. So I'm sure that uh, the aliens have tremendous abilities psychically not only uh, uh, technically with their technologies so yeah yeah they're probably a lot of bases and maybe they mess with our dna uh, there certainly have been reports that there's one particular race that's breeding hybrids mm-hmm. and abducting our people and you know yeah i think that's very possible i think it's very interesting that our DNA seems to be able to mesh to theirs, so mm-hmm. there must be some very, there must be very similar. Uh, certainly, the basic framework is similar. Yeah, I, I do believe that the DNA is the strand, uh, or the, the strain strand, or whatever you want to describe it as, that is going to connect all life in the cosmos. I mean, everything in this planet shares DNA. Uh, you know, it's what makes us, uh, basically, we have something unique to us, uh, where we have a, a bunch of uh, what scientists call junk DNA, 
and uh, mistakes and errors that they found within the DNA. I wonder how that happened. Maybe they were genetically messing around for a long time until they came up with Homo erectus. You know, who knows? With you know, we we can't find a missing link in, in humanity. So, uh, you know, sadly we're at the end of the hour and uh, we have to go. Uh, Mark, it's been just phenomenal having you on. I have to have you back on soon. We've got to continue this conversation. I do uh, want to give you a, a time to please uh, plug where you can find the book, uh, website, anything you want to uh, promote. Uh, please okay. do so, so we can get the uh, the book out to people's hands. Yeah, uh, my website is www.super-relativity.com, and you can get the book on Amazon, uh, Master of Reality by Mark Fiorentino. Phenomenal. Um, I'll, like I said, I want to have you uh, back on pretty soon. As soon as I'm finished with the book, sure. we're going to... Uh, Bring you back on because you've been just uh, fascinating. Just speak. We got a lot more to talk about if you want. Lots of fun stuff, good stuff. Oh, we yeah, have a good time. Sure. Yeah, yes, sir. And it's going to be a fun year according to my calendar. <laughs> well, we'll see. I hope there isn't any disasters, but you could be right. Who knows? Stay be safe, prepared. my friend. Stay safe, and uh, thank you so much for uh, spending your time with us here on Inside the Jackal's Head. You're welcome. Have yourself a wonderful evening. And uh, there you go, folks. The wonderful Mark Fiorentino. Again, please pick up his book. And uh, it's uh, an amazing read. A Master of Reality. Look it up on Amazon and all the uh, great places. Uh, we have Kaiser coming up now with uh, Kaiser Talk Radio. And, of course, later on, Unleash Truth Radio right here on PSN Radio. So with that, gentlemen and ladies, folks, Kids of all ages, friends and foes listening from here, and of course the Cosmos. Sit back, relax, take a breather. It's going to be okay. We'll be back next week with more show on Inside the Jackal's Head. Just stick around. Like I said, for more live content coming your way right here on PSN-Radio.com. And uh, stay safe, everybody. Please stay safe. I know it's uh, hard out there right now, but uh, things will look up. Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.